This message is brought to you by the CD and Internet Ministry of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning service times. While Pastor Matt is taking a break, one of our elders, Mike Jones, will be talking about the church at Ephesus in a sermon Mike has entitled, A Love to Remember. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, and let's join Mike now for his sermon. Remember what it was like to fall in love? Your first date? The first time you held her or his hand? The first kiss? (laughs) Uh, Maybe it was love at first sight. I took this picture on the Huntington uh, uh, Pier. This couple didn't know I was around when they came up for air. (laughs) I had my camera ready, and I snapped this picture. I enjoy photography, and uh, I always feel like I want to offer these pictures to people, but then I feel like they think I'm going to be some kind of weirdo or something. So I... Uh, But... uh, There's a young girl named Susie who uh, had heard the story of Snow White for the very first time. And she couldn't wait to get home from school to share the story with her mother. And uh, when she got home with wide-eyed excitement, she recounted the whole story of Snow White. And then she got to the part where Prince Charming rode in on his horse, got off the horse, went up to Snow White and kissed her back to life. And then young Susie said to her mother, and then you know what happened? Her mother said, yes, Susie, they lived happily ever after. Susie said, no, with a frown. They got married. (laughs) It's one thing to fall in love, but it's another thing to stay in love. And true love, a true relationship, requires work. Um, A couple learns to work through their differences, and they learn how to grow together and over time, their love deepens. I remember when I fell in love with Virginia. Uh, we met at a pool party after church. It was the night that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. And uh, we were all out at the pool at this, the home of uh, one of our church members. And uh, the man that owned the house, you kids got to get in here and see this. History is being made. Well, history was made. Virginia and I met. And... Uh, Walking on the moon was just incidental. But I remember that whole ritual of when I had a date with Virginia, getting ready to see her. I had uh, probably been working all day, and so I'd want to get home and get all washed up and brush my teeth and do the deodorant thing. And, And then when I was all done, the final touch was the bay rum. And I would marinate myself in this stuff. Because I wanted to present the very best version of me to Virginia that I possibly could. And before that, probably over the lunch hour, I would have taken my car up to the Palm Car Wash and had it all washed up because I wanted the car to be clean and spotless. And I opened up the ashtray and I had it loaded with those little peppermint candies that come in the wrappers so I'd have something to offer her. And then I'd drive over to her house, and I'd be all excited. I had a date with my bride-to-be, which I didn't know at that time, but anyway. And uh, when I opened the car door for her, I opened the driver's side because it had a bench seat, and I hoped she would just slide to the middle (laughs) and stop. 
so we, so we could be seated next to each other. And we didn't have seat belts, you know, so, you know, it worked. And uh, it was exciting. And so we'd go out on our date. I think our first date, and she'll correct me after the next service, but I think our first date was a miniature golf course, and she beat me. Well, after the date, or date, when we were done, we would go home, and I'd take her up and kiss her on the front porch. Her dad, her dad would have the light on. He'd stand, be standing behind the door with a shotgun behind his back. <laughs> and then I drove home, which took about 10 minutes, and then I'd be on the phone because so much time had passed. I just had to talk to her again. And we'd be on the phone for another half hour talking about whatever. And uh, then I'd hear this knocking sound. It'd be my dad hammering on the wall telling me it was time to go to bed and get off the phone. And then when I did that, I would get out a pen and paper. And guess what I found? Go ahead. On three. One, two, three. A love letter. And so I dug out of her cedar chest yesterday climbing around in the rafters, one of these love letters. Dear Jenny, and she had been away, I don't remember what the occasion was. It does seem to be such a long time till Saturday. After I talked to you on the phone, I thought of you and missed you. Tomorrow I'll be going to church after work. It just won't be the same. Our happiness looks so far away, but our love for each other is so real right now, this very hour. Throughout the day, your thoughts are mine and mine yours. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) As the year progresses, may my love for you and yours for me stay as genuine as Christ's love for us both. Well, though that was then. That was first love kind of love, and uh, we can all go back And I think remember what it was like when we first fell in love. But the other question I have for you this morning is, do you remember what it was like when we fell in love with Jesus? Remember the excitement that you had as a new Christian when everything was new and there was that time of discovery and it was all exciting. And just like the experiences in marriage, Events in our lives can either draw us closer to each other or they can drive us apart. Because it's possible to fall out of love in the marriage relationship, it's also possible to fall out of love in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus wrote a letter to one of the churches in Revelation to remind them. And if you turn in your Bible with me to Revelation chapter 2, we're going to take a look at Jesus' words to the church. While you're turning there, I missed a slide. We did get married, and I'm happy to say that 41 years later, it's still a thrill to hold her hand. While you're turning in your Bible, just to give you a little bit of background, Pastor Mike covered some of this last week, but uh, the church at Ephesus, according to tradition, was founded by Aquila and Priscilla. Later on, the Apostle Paul ministered there for a period of about two years and three months. And after Paul's time at Ephesus, he left young Timothy in charge to pastor the church. So this church had a history of uh, 
good teaching. Now the Apostle Paul, or excuse me, the Apostle John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's been banished there. He's been sent in exile to the Isle of Patmos. It says for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And while John is on the Isle of Patmos, he receives a revelation from Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is not revelations, plural. It's one book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in that book, there are seven letters written to seven churches. Each of the churches had a particular area of growth they needed to work on. And what was relevant for them is relevant for us. Because the churches described in Revelation, they were not only historical churches, but they are churches representative of churches today. There are churches that have fallen out of love. There are churches that have become lukewarm. There are churches that have married the world. And within those churches are believers who exhibit some of those things. And so the word written here to this church is relevant to us this morning. Well, who was the recipient of the letter? Who was Jesus speaking to? It says in chapter 2, verse 1, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. At first glimpse, this can look a little confusing. Angels, lampstands, what is he talking about? Well, the word agalos in the Greek used for um, angel is also used in several places in the New Testament of human messengers. You'll remember when, the, uh, when John the Baptist was in prison, he sent messengers to Jesus to ask him, are you the anointed one? Are you the one we're looking, the expected one? Or should we look for another? That same word is used, the word messenger. So what we have in Revelation is a letter that's gone to the messenger of the church, most likely the pastor. And verse 20 tells us that the lampstands, in chapter 1, verse 20, that the lampstands are the churches. And so Jesus is writing to the church through the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a very prominent city at this time. I'm sorry this went away. I'm sorry this map is a little bit small, but the little red dot points out the city of Ephesus. And just a little bit off into the Aegean Sea would be the Isle of Patmos, where John was in exile when he received the book of the Revelation. Ephesus was the vanity fair of Asia Minor, It's what Las Vegas was to Nevada or what Hollywood is to California. It was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. It was this marvelous structure made out of marble. There were about a 100 pillars throughout the temple. It's a little bit hard to see this, but it's basically just pillars uh, woven in and out throughout the uh, structure. It was a center for cult worship. It was the temple of the goddess Diana, the fertility god. Uh, Pictures of her show a goddess, multi-breasted fertility goddess, and people worship uh, her. And in this culture also there were prostitutes that hung around the temple that made themselves available to uh, people who came uh, 
for those services. It was a very large commercial center in Ephesus. There were about 250,000 inhabitants in the city of Ephesus. So here you have this large town, pagan culture, and this is the setting in which the church at Ephesus had to exist. The writer, uh, the philosopher Heractetus wrote that the inhabitants of Ephesus were fit only to be drowned and that the only reason he could never laugh or smile was because he lived in the midst of such terrible uncleanness. And so the letter that we're looking at was written to the church in this city. This is what they faced. This was their culture. And uh, we think that today that we have the worst culture and the worst set of circumstances, but it was bad in their time as well. And then we see the recognition of the members. And most of the letters written to the churches have some sort of commendation to the church, what they were doing right, as well as some condemnation, something that they were doing wrong. And here we have this word of Christ's recognition of the members. In verse 2 he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, and you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And then drop down to verse 6. It says, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So here we have this word of recommendation or recognition from Jesus. In many ways, the church at Ephesus was a model church. As I pointed out, the church was founded by Aquila and Priscilla. The apostle Paul had taught there for a few years. In fact, when Paul was at Ephesus for two and a half years, teaching weekly and in the synagogues, it said all Asia heard the word of the Lord. The word was going out. People were getting changed. Uh, People were converted. Some people brought all their magic arts. So yeah, they brought magic arts. You have to realize that Magic and sorcery was a part of this culture. And they brought those things when they uh, came to Christ and they burned those things, those uh, articles that they used. You'll remember that uh, Demetrius was his name in Acts, um, the silversmith who made the little you know, souvenirs for the temple, uh, little souvenirs of the temple or the goddess or whatever. Their business was going in the dumper and a riot broke out. That was the impact that Paul and the teaching of the word was having in Ephesus. And Jesus points this out. Uh, at this time, the church, um, well, I should say, this is 30 years later. And so what the church had been in Paul's day had declined by the time the book of Revelation was written. And Jesus says, you have all these great strengths. You don't tolerate evil. You keep imposters out of the church. You don't give up. You hang in there. And you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Uh, Most people believe that the Nicolaitans were followers of one of the deacons in Acts chapter 6, named Nicholas. And uh, he promoted a licentious lifestyle, immorality, whatever whatever feels good, do it. Those were the Nicolaitans. And so Jesus points out their strengths and for what they were doing right. 
But then we come to the reprimand of the messenger. Look at verse 4. Jesus said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. The expression in this verse really includes not only love for God and love for Christ, but also love for each other. The New Living Translation captured it this way. You don't love me or each other the way you did at first. The ESV translates that you have abandoned the love that you have had at first. This is the church 30 years after Paul's time. And as I said, the church is also representative of the people that are in those churches. This is the believer when the honeymoon is over. This is the believer when the thrill is gone. This is you when there's no more joy in serving Jesus. The church had gotten into sort of a ritual, cranking out the service, but the love and the joy was no longer there. They were sort of going through the motions. Every Sunday they were going to Church Incorporated, cranking everything out, but the main ingredient that was missing was their love. And the question for us this morning is, have you fallen out of love with Jesus? You might say, well, you know, I haven't fallen out of love with him, but what he's asking us to do is remember the intensity and the love that we had for him as we did in the beginning, just the same kind of love that we had on our first date. Is the thrill gone? Are you just going through the motions today? Is your life characterized by prayerlessness? You know, all of what the communion represents was to provide access between us and God so that we could have that relationship. When you were new prayer, a Christ, new Christian prayers were getting answered, you really cared for each other. When the doors of the church were open, you had to be there. When there was a Bible study, you couldn't wait to grow and learn more of the Bible. And when you got home, you listened to tapes or... Yeah, tapes, I'm dating myself. <laughs> Listen to tapes or uh, messages to uh, grow, and it was a real uh, fun time, and uh, then things began to cool off. Maybe it was because of some sin you just couldn't part with or get victory over. Somebody hurt you or let you down. That causes a lot of people to lose their love for Christ and to drop out. Uh, I've been in church for since 1959. I can even remember the slogan in the church nursery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> but over the years, I've come across a lot of people that are going to church every Sunday, but they've had a falling away with somebody else in the congregation that they've never made right. I had somebody tell me once when I was pastoring that they had been upset with me for a period of six months because one Sunday morning they walked by me and I didn't acknowledge them and they thought that I must have thought I was too good for them or something like that. And they had carried that around for several months. I was in a church where the organist and the pianist 
would not play at the same time because they didn't get along and they didn't want to spend time rehearsing together. And so one played the choruses and the other one played the hymns. And then we wonder why the church isn't growing. At another church I pastored, money had been donated from an elderly woman who was in a nursing home battling with MS. She donated money so a platform, sort of like ours, only a little bit smaller in scale, could be renovated and updated. And uh, before I'd come to the church, two committees, two committees had got together to try to work on a plan to spruce up the front of the church. And so our committee, uh, thanks a lot, I got on this committee and tried to uh, work on this with a group of people. And all kinds of things were proposed, elaborate, stained glass, uh, various things. And finally, they came up with a plan, which was basically to put a nice new curtain here, some plants and some chairs. And, and it was uh, you know, not a bunch of holy hardware, just something nice and attractive. And then there were a group of people that thought these people should be the ones who get the job to do the curtains because somebody knows somebody who knew somebody and it should go that way. And then these people thought it ought to be somebody else that does it. And these people were going at it back and forth and all of them calling different places, getting estimates, getting ideas and everything. And one day I got a call at the church from the lady who had donated the money in tears, saying I wish I had never got given the money for that to be done because these people were all calling her and trying to get her on their side. And maybe you found yourself hurt or wounded by somebody and it's driven a wedge in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe there are some dreams that have not been fulfilled in your life and you don't understand why. And while you're sitting in God's green room waiting for an answer, the love has grown cold. I've been there. Maybe you prayed for a miracle that didn't come through. I remember a gal and her dad was a head elder at the church I pastored. Marvin had had cancer and it had gone into remission. And then it uh, came back. And uh, as it grew worse, he finally found himself in the hospital and he was in a coma. And I'll never remember being with the family in the hospital room. And I'd gone to college, Bible college, with Sue and her husband, which is how I found out about this church that I ended up pastoring. And I'll never forget Sue just bolting out of the hospital and going out to the car. And I went out there to just sit with her and show Christ's love. And she just pounded on the dashboard of that car saying, why? And maybe you've prayed for something like that that hasn't come through. And because the answer didn't go the way you had hoped, your love has grown cold for the Lord. There are a number of things that can drive wedges in our relationship with the Lord and cause us to cool off and to lose that first love fervor. And Jesus is saying this morning, can you see how far you've fallen? And then he gives us the requirements. In verse 5, he says, Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. The first thing he wants us to do to get back on track is to remember from how far we've fallen. We need to kind of do a healthy self-evaluation of our love relationship with the Lord. 
at the beginning of the message, I recalled very vividly how it was with Virginia and I when we first dated. I could remember that. Well, I also ought to be able to remember what it was like when I first came to know the Lord and, and served him. Secondly, he calls us to repent. And the word repent means to do a 180 degree turnaround. It means to do an about face. It means if you're going this way, go this way. It's a radical change. It's something he wants us not to work on and have a 10-step action plan. He wants you to repent, admit that he's right, that you have cooled off. Repentance is agreeing with God that he's right. And when we're able to do that, we can uh, move forward. And then the third element of this verse is to do the things that we did in the beginning. Christian love is not just a whole bunch of sentimentality. It's not just uh, singing, oh, it's all about you, Jesus, and then going on and not doing what he's asked us to do. True love, Christian love, is love in action. It has feet to it and hands to it. It maybe used to be involved in the life of the church or in the life of other people, and you've sort of dropped out. Jesus wants you to get back in. And if Rancho Community Church continues to grow the way it's been growing, we're going to need more people out of the seats and busy serving the kingdom. Uh, We can't pay enough pastors to do all the things that will be needed to be done around here if the church keeps growing. We're going to need born again, on fire for Jesus, in love with Jesus, people that want to serve the king. Do I hear an amen? Where's Stan when you need him? Wherever you're at on your journey with Christ, you have an opportunity this morning to get back on track. But if you don't, Jesus gives this warning. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. He's not talking about losing your salvation, but he is talking about your usefulness. And if you aren't willing to get your heart with, right with the Lord and to repent, you may be put on the sidelines until he returns. And that's not a place that I'd want to be, and I don't think it's a place you would want to be. You know that the church at Ephesus never got this message, and 150 years later, They laid in ruins. There's also a reward for those who respond. Look at verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Just getting our life right with the Lord is one thing, but he also gives us this additional incentive. Now to understand what the tree of life is, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 2. And you'll remember back in the garden, God had placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and there were two trees specifically mentioned. One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The other was the tree of life. Adam and Eve were told not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day they did that, they would surely what? Die. And they sinned. They ate of that tree. And with that, sin entered the world. If you want to get mad at cancer, you want to get mad at every evil thing that we see in our world, all the various perversions and everything that's out there, 
it goes back to the garden and man chose to sin. And God in his mercy provided covering for, for Adam and Eve. You remember he clothed them with skins. In order to provide those skins, animals had to die. Blood had to be shed so that that sin could be atoned for. So God, in his mercy, provided a remedy for Adam and Eve's sin, but he also sent them out of the garden. And when he sent them out of the garden, he placed two cherub angels, not two, cherub angels in front of the gate to the entrance of the Garden of Eden with flaming swords to prevent Adam and Eve in their fallen state from coming back into the garden and eating of the tree of life. Because if they had eaten of the tree of the life, of the tree of life in their fallen state there would have been no hope for us we would have been eternally damned so the tree of life was preserved and it appears in revelation now those of us preserved in the sense that now those of us who enter the kingdom will be able to partake of the tree of life and enjoy immortality and eternal life forever in genesis we have paradise lost In Revelation, we have paradise regained. And so the incentive, the reward, among others, is that one day we'll be able to partake of this tree of life and enjoy Christ's presence forever. So the question for us this morning is, have I lost my first love? We need to personalize it. Do we love him the way we did at the beginning? Let's just take a moment and bow our heads and just do a little self-evaluation. Has it been a while since you told the Lord you loved him? Why don't you take a moment to do that? And maybe he's brought some things to your mind this morning that you just want to uh, bring before him and confess. Lord, we just come before you this morning. We pray that you would forgive us where we have grown cold, where our fervor and our, the intensity of our love has diminished. We thank you that there's always hope and forgiveness with you and that you're ready to restore. We pray that uh, we would want to have the best relationship that we possibly could have with you. Forgive us for our sins, the attitudes that have caused us to lose our joy. Forgive us for our loveless lives. We desire this morning to return to serving you out of love instead of duty. And I pray, Lord, that um, and thank you for your love, which we, of which we are so undeserving. And uh, we thank you and pray for good things to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you chose to listen to us today. Our mission here at Rancho Baptist Church is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and who live to reach their world for Christ. If you have any questions at all regarding this particular broadcast or this sermon, or if you just want to know God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to contact us. You can call us here at the church at area code 951-676-2911. That phone number again is 951-676-2911. Or you can contact us on our website 
at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's ranchobaptistchurch.org. Trust that you have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you walk with Him.